so glad you're here today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go ahead and take it out and go with me to Luke chapter 2. If you've not been with us, we have been looking at uh, a portion of the birth narrative of Christ. Specifically, we have been examining the actions and responses of the shepherds. Every year, uh, I love December because we're able to look at such a crucial point in the uh, biblical history, the redemptive history of God, by, by examining closely the prophecies or the, the actual events of the coming of Christ, God in flesh. And so this year, we've been looking at the shepherds and what happened there. In the first week, we noticed that uh, they had to bring one another to Jesus after the angels had come and reported that Messiah had come. They had to talk about it. They actually had to kind of have a conversation like, hey, we got to go do this. So apparently there were some who were thinking, hey, let's go do this. After all, they were busy. They had jobs. There were sheep to look after. There were considerations. And so they had to bring one another to Jesus. And then after they had saw the, the things that had been reported to them, they saw the reality, they then began to tell each other about Jesus. They went back and told others about what they had seen, what they rather what they had heard. They began to, to share the message that God had given to them and then testified to the fact that it had changed their life. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at Mary's response to all of this. We're going to see what, what she did. And what she did is something we all need to be doing. And I pray that you're challenged in it this morning. Friends are also comforted in the realities of, the, of what we're going to speak and see in the text today. So if you've got to get in your Bible, be right now in Luke chapter 2. We're going to focus on verse 19, and Peyton's going to come reading for us. Come on up, Miss Peyton. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word as she comes. This is a short text, but it's powerful. It's like Peyton, a little bit, but, but potent, right? And so uh, we're in verse 19. Are y'all there? Nod your heads if you're there. It's quick. I don't want you to miss it, all right? Good, good. All right, they, they're ready. Go for it. I told you it was short, but it's powerful. Thank you, Miss Payton. We really appreciate it. If you would go ahead and be seated. So what we're looking at here is Mary's response. You know, I say this, been saying this, we've been saying this for the past few weeks. We have to say this to each other. We say it every year at this time of year. We have to say this to each other. And that is this. Be careful that you do not get caught up in the busyness and the business of Christmas and miss the meaning of Christmas. Why do we have to say that every year? Because our flesh and the world and the devil is always seeking to draw us away from Christ. There is always going to be that tendency within ourselves. There's always going to be that temptation by the world and the work of the dark one to take our eyes off of Jesus and put it on a Christmas list, to put it on a party, to put it on our homes, to put it in decorations, to put it in anything but God. Because the last thing the flesh of the world or the devil wants is for us to get serious about the coming of Messiah, God in flesh, because it'll flat out change your life. And so we have to be mindful to tell one another, listen, be careful. Do not get caught up in the business and the busyness and this, the meaning of Christmas. That's a very real temptation. It's one that I have. This week I was reading the memoirs of my uh, one of my doctoral professors, one of the most important um, professors in my life. Uh, it was back in 2002 um, that, that that impact, this impact had happened in my life through him. And it was interesting to be reading his book this week and to see uh, the way he spelled that out. Uh, I've got it for you. I'm just going to read. An, well, I can't. I, I changed my I guess what else. But basically what he said was, I was asked to teach a class I didn't want to teach, and I taught it. End of the story. And I thought, well, I was in that class. 
and I could tell that your enthusiasm was lacking, all right? I had read 2,000 pages of works. I had written 30 pages of papers. I had more papers to write afterward, and there was a dissertation of some 200-plus pages. Little did I know on Tuesday that my life was going to change. Tuesday afternoon, after uh, a very boring morning of lectures, I love Dr. Frame, but talking is not his strong suit. After lunch with Presbyterians, the Frozen Chosen, I was ready to, yeah, you know who you are. I was, no, good job, though. I was, uh, I was ready to take a nap. And then it happened. God showed up. In the midst of maybe one of the most boring lectures I'd ever heard in my life, it dawned on me what this man was teaching. And it has forever changed my theology and the way I look at leadership. It happened in an instant. It blew me away. As a matter of fact, if you talk to anyone I've trained to be a pastor, if you talk to any of our leaders that I have trained, they will tell you how strongly this is within me to talk about this idea of triperspectivalism, speak of leadership as prophet, priest, and king, and to understand God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to realize that in every reality there is a normative, a situational, and, and an a existential reality. All that I know sounds exciting, right? I thought so too. And as it was pouring down on me, it blew me away. Now, what I'd like to tell you is that I took a moment and I treasured and pondered these things in my heart and I honored God, but I didn't. Instead, right there in the middle of that lecture, I began to write my opening introduction for my dissertation. And if I wasn't in lectures, I was in the library. If I wasn't in lectures in the library, I was having conversations. And if I wasn't in the lecture or the library having conversations about triperspectivalism, I was beginning to write my paper. I began a 42-page chapter because dissertations are competitive. I wanted to be the first one to submit so that I could get mine set so that no one else could write on what I wanted to write about because it had moved me so powerfully. So I went home and I began to write and I began to work. And it took me two years and I wrote this dissertation. I had to go and I had to defend it. I never stop for a single moment to have a moment. To have that moment when I say, God, you spoke to me. You have done a work in my life that will forever change my leadership, my theology, and my ministry. The reading his memoirs this week. Fifteen years later, I had the moment, and it reminded me of how many moments we miss during Christmas, because rather than understanding the meaning of Christmas, we get caught up in the business and the busyness of Christmas. We need to take a note from the life of Mary, and we need to have a moment. We need to see God at work in the world and how we get to be a part of it. There is a grand story. It's the story. And then there is our story that is meant to be a part of the story. I want you to take note of this and write this down. We treasure the story and our story when we ponder what God has done. Mary did that. Mary did that. Look in verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 19. We're going to read this very slowly. 
And I want you to grasp what she did and how amazing it is that she, a teenage girl, did it. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. To treasure is to, is to keep together as a whole to protect it. This word treasure, it's, it's, it's soon tarao, and, and that means together to protect. That's what it is to treasure something. And, and then this word ponder, it's symbolio, together to consider. There is a place to take a portion of scripture and to study it. But always, always remember, you've got to read it in the context of the whole. There is, it is, it is easy to, to take a single word within Scripture and be overwhelmed with it. I'm going to tell you, when I got to this word, uh, to treasure and ponder, we went to the Septuagint. We saw where it was used there. I began to study some church history and how it was used there. I could have spent at least 40 or 50 hours doing nothing but studying those two words because of the, of the amazing way in which God provides those. But you got to pull back. And you got to see, you got to see the power of that word or that verse or that book or that section in light of the whole. And what is the whole? The whole is reality. The Bible is the story of God. It is the story that explains reality. You're having a difficulty understanding the world? Let me explain it to you. God made it all. He created it to be in harmony. But because of our sin, there's now been a fall. Now there's death. There's, there's brokenness. There's disharmony. There's disruption, there's sickness, there's pain, but there's also good news. God has come to rescue us, and one day He's going to restore all things. That is the story of God. And when we see Scripture, we have to understand, each part of Scripture is a part of that whole story. And for those who believe, our individual story is now a part of that grand story. Now, admittedly, some of you are not disciples of Jesus. Let me explain what that means for you. That means that there is a grand reality, a grand story that is taking place, and you are outside of it. You may understand it. You may be able to speak to some realities of that. You may have some Bible knowledge. You may be a scholar. You may be a biblical scholar. I've had professors, biblical scholars, who, didn't, who were not disciples of Jesus, who could tell you more about the historicity and the reality of Scripture than I ever could. But they stood outside of that because they never repented and believed in Jesus Christ because that's the only way to enter the story. See, we're meant to enter into the story of the reality of God by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And without Jesus, you're lost. You're, you're writing a story that has no good in you. You are living out a reality that has no blessing. But if, if you can believe, and you can understand the story, you can enter in, and you, be, you can begin to treasure the glory and be in awe and in wonder at the work of God. See, to treasure, write this down, to treasure and ponder in the heart what God has done creates wonder. Listen, when I treasure and ponder God's work in my life, I'm overwhelmed with wonder. I can't believe that I'm standing here preaching the gospel to you today. When I think about what, what was going on with my life just 30 years ago, I was with one of my mentors this week, and we were laughing about what a terrible sinner I was and how amazing it is that, that, that the Lord would save a sinner like me. 
And I know some of you have that same testimony, and you should. Because I'm going to tell you, God, if you're blood-bought, He did not get a deal on you. You were not discounted. You cost the full measure of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is a wonder that you were saved. And you think about what has brought you, what has happened in your life, who taught you, who trained you, how did the Lord work that would bring you to the moment where you're sitting here today hearing this sermon uh, and, and being told to be in wonder and in awe of God. When you think about it like that, it's not really that hard if you will treasure in your heart and ponder the work of God. That's why I love to read the Bible, because you can see the way God worked in other saints' lives. That's why I love church history. That's why I love to be a part of a church family. A couple of weeks ago, we, we ordained ten deacons and two elders and licensed a minister. And I'm going to tell you, even, even that night, I knew their stories. And, and as different ones were sharing things, I found tears in my eyes, because I'm thinking, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that that goofball was saved. It's a miracle. He's an officer of this church. She's going to see a lifespan. I remember when she was five. How old am I? And here it is. And it's the work of God. I'm going to tell you something. If all you're doing is getting wrapped up in busyness, in busyness, and you do not treasure, and you do not ponder, you will not be in awe of the wonder of the glory of God. And it's no wonder that your heart is so broken and cold and hard. It's no wonder that you're so depressed and feel dark and trapped. You are. So you've got to get outside of your darkness and your life and enter into the story so that your story can be, become a part of the grand story. And if you'll do that, you're going to have wonder. And, and as you wonder, consider three things specifically. Consider God-inspired thoughts that you've been given. Hopefully your Bible's still open to Luke chapter 2. If it's not, open it back up. I, I want to just throw, throw some things at you. You can't preach on it, but I just want to throw some things at you. You know, you think about the revelations, the thoughts that Mary was given. You think about, uh, you know, go back in chapter 1 when, when the angel comes to Mary. You think about what he said to her in that moment. You who are highly favored of God. The Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, but, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. Now we read that and we're familiar with that and we think, oh yeah, she was kind of disturbed. No. I'm going to tell you something. Go outside tonight. Just kind of take this little walk down your driveway or, or around your apartment or whatever. Just walk for a minute and imagine an angel showing up and saying, hey, you who are highly favored. Don't be afraid. You're going to freak out. Mary wasn't like, oh, hey, angel, good to see you. What's up? What? Oh, I'm going to be pregnant? Cool. No big deal. No. No. Angel shows up. Hey, you're going to be pregnant. Come out. I'm a virgin. Exactly. This is going to be by the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I have this, I have this sneaking suspicion. She's thinking, what am I going to tell my dad? No, no, Dad, it's cool. It's cool. It's from God. It's from God. Really, really, it's God's baby. Sure, that went over real well. She almost gets a divorce because of it. Thankfully, an angel stepped in with Joseph. Listen, Mary was not having a good year in terms of things going the way she planned. And then she goes and visits Elizabeth. And don't you know that was part of that was a hideout job? Because honestly, 
If she was pregnant out of wedlock, then she should have been stoned to death by their law. That's adultery. So she's going to Elizabeth. Elizabeth hears her voice, and John the Baptist in there. It's in, it's in uh, uh, verse 39. So you see that this uh, John the Baptist leaps in her wounds once, once Elizabeth hears it. She said, you know, how blessed am I am that the, that the mother of my Lord would come to me. And Mary's like, whoa, 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 how would you get all this information at? It's a miracle of God. So this thought of not only is God working in my life, he's working in Elizabeth's life. There's this plan that's unfolding. And and don't you just know, she was so excited to get back from Elizabeth to be told, hey, by the way, I know you're about to give birth, but hop on this donkey. We're going to take a few uh, few days ride over to Bethlehem. Ain't that going to be fun? Mary was like, oh, good, we get to fulfill the prophecy of Malachi. Yay. No. She's like, I'm getting on a donkey to go where? I'm pregnant with the Son of God. This was not a happy time. This was a hard time. Then she gives birth to the Son of God in a barn. And then a bunch of stinky shepherds show up and want to hold the baby. It's just weird. But in all that, she treasured it. And she got these thoughts. She's like, Friends, can you think back to times when God showed up in your life? At the end of the at the end of the first service this morning, a brother came up to me and he said, he pulled out his and he said, "Remember, remember when I got sick, and remember when God gave you this verse." He said, "I'm there for you as long as I live." At the, at the end of the last service, the sweet sister in Christ came and said, "A miracle happened. I didn't know it." Before my dad died, he was saved. A man who refused to have a conversation about God, a man who laughed incessantly about the things of God, I found out he had a conversation before he got sick and before he died, and he accepted Christ, but he wasn't, he was too scared to tell me, but praise God, he's saved. How many of those stories do you have? I mean, there's songs, Jason was talking about that song, you know, what songs can bring you to tears remembering that moment when God spoke to you? Listen, these thoughts are here. We have to treasure them and ponder them. And, and these thoughts are going to turn into affections. Okay? You know, as you wonder, consider God-inspired affections. You know, think about what happened with Mary before she got there, after she's leaving Elizabeth in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. What a heart of worship. She's just thanking God. When was the last time your heart was moved? Mine was just a few minutes ago. I'm not going to lie to you. And that was my third time through, all right? Just think about how God restores the souls of those who will seek Him. Is there in your heart wonder? Are you, can you remember times of wonder? Or let me ask you, are you having a right now or are you so caught up in the busyness and the business of Christmas that you're missing the moment? You're missing the miracle. As you wonder, consider 
the thoughts, the God-inspired thoughts, the God-inspired affections. Consider the, 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 the God-inspired reactions. The, the reaction of Mary is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. When you go back in chapter 1, the angel shows up, and, and Mary says, Behold, verse 38, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what my story is? My story is God called me to be a pastor and to be saved. And I said, in the words of Asher, no, thank you. But you know, I can still remember. I can remember mowing the grass. And the Lord saying, I'm not asking. There's one of those lawnmowers, if you let go of the thing, the thing turns off. And I'm walking arguing with God. Well, I'm not going to be a pastor. You feel, I will die before I become a pastor. And, and I see, you know, people kind of looking out like, what's he doing? And I'm like, I got to get back on the normal jerk it up. And I'm talking, I'm not doing this, God. I am not going to do it. I am going to, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. But I'm going to get off of the pastor list. Arrested a week later didn't get me off the list. When you guys were reviewing me, you did a background check and told the guy doing it, hey, tell my parole officer hi. He laughed, called me after, said, I had no idea you were serious. You can run from God, but he'll catch you. And I'm so glad he called me. Who's glad he called you? Amen. Did you think about Think about Mary's reaction. She didn't run. I would have run. I tried to run. She didn't run. She said, okay, I'll tell my dad. I'll tell my friends. Everyone's going to hate me. Everyone's going to laugh at me. I am going to be mocked for the rest of my life. But okay, if this is what you've decided, okay. And she's pondering. She's treasuring the grace of God that worked miraculously in her life. Friends, I wonder, consider the God-inspired thoughts, the God-inspired affections, the, the God-inspired reactions, and then look at this, don't forget this part, and create spiritual markers. They're called Ebenezer's. They're, 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 they're basically these these things that remind us what happened and do it together. Keep, keep a record of how God has shown up. For the last 700 days, I've been writing out prayers. And I've seen miracles. But can I tell you, sadly, that many times as those miracles were happening, I was, I was even still skeptical. Oh God, that, that just that just that, that wasn't a miracle. That's just something normal that happened. Oh, that's not a miracle. That was just why, why are we so skeptical about the miracles of God? And why don't we look for them more adamantly than we do? This week, our staff we were talking about how we tend to try to explain away miracles. One of our ministry assistants was talking about when he worked at a camp a couple of years ago. It was a camp where a different set of kids would come in week after week. And um, one of the weeks of the camp, the camp started, a child came who was deaf, completely deaf, and, and had a translator there to help provide for the child's needs while the child was at camp. And 
Tuesday or Wednesday, in the middle of the week of the camp, she was out swimming and suddenly panicked. And her helper saw her, and she came swimming in, and she said, what's the matter? What's the matter? And she signed her, and she said, I can hear. She said, what? I wish I could sign language. This is just... This is Pettis sign language, all right? They're over there going crazy. And our ministry assistant said, and I, I would love to say that I fell on my knees and I gave praise to God, but instead, he, my, he said, my immediate thought was, I wonder if there was something in the water pressure that opened up the ear canal that provided, instead of just saying, glory to God in the highest. Friends, miracles are all around us. For those who are not too busy and engaged in the business, One of the reasons why you got to create markers, one of the reasons why you got to write it down. And this morning, as different folks have come and said, remember this, remember when I was sick, remember when this one was saved. Uh, one of the ones came up and said, remember, remember when our child wouldn't speak to us for almost a decade and we prayed, and now they're coming home for Christmas this year. Remember when that miracle started? I said, write it down. Because here's what will happen to you if you don't write it down. Go a few months, go a year, maybe go a decade. And your, your flesh and the world and the devil will tempt you to explain it away. Oh, it wasn't a miracle. I, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and I made the right choice, and voila. Oh, okay. Boy, doesn't that just stir the wonder. Maybe the reason why there's not a, a lot of wonder amongst God's children is because they don't have enough Ebenezer's. They don't have enough markers. We really don't take the time to treasure and to ponder the miraculous power of God that has been, that is, and that we believe needs to be at work. Many of you, if you're honest, you're not faithful in prayer. Have you ever wondered why? Next year we're going to have an extreme emphasis on prayer. And many won't participate. And let me tell you why. Because you don't believe. You don't believe in the God of the Bible. You don't believe that He is at work in the world. Because you don't have enough markers that remind you of the miracles of the way in which He has responded. I was thinking about this this week and I went back. There was something very specific I was praying for this time last year. God told me no. But I didn't take it. I said, oh Lord, you just don't understand. I kept praying and I kept praying and I kept praying and God kept saying, no, no, no. I am so glad he did not answer that prayer. Pray so specifically so that when God says no, you can argue with him. And when it's over, you can apologize specifically for how wrong you were. That's a marker of the provision of God. A miracle. Friends, is, is your heart, are you living in the awe and the wonder of God? I can tell you it's probably because you have 
you have not treasured in your heart and pondered the work of God in your very precious life. So this morning, I, I want to invite you to repent of that. If, if you're not living in wonder, if you're not living with passionate prayer, repent of that. Some of you, you're outside the story of God. You're, you're living a story. You've got a story. But it's not a story of redemption. Would you please, right now, step into the story and say, how do I do that? You turn away from your old life. You ask Jesus to forgive you and take over your life, and you become his disciple, and you follow him all the way to heaven. You need to do that right now. Some of you are children of God, but you've stopped being in awe of that reality a long time ago. This morning, I want, I want to invite you just to come get on your knees and say, God, please give me an awe and wonder of you again. And forgive me because I have gotten so caught up in the busy and the business. And some of you need a miracle today. Actually, let me just clarify. Everybody in this room needs a miracle today. And I want, I want you to forget about everybody else and just ask yourself, do I really believe in God? And do I believe He will hear me if I pray? And I challenge you to come get on your knees and ask Him to do a miracle, the miracle on your heart. And then sometime today, right now, Sunday, December 17, 2017, I ask for this miracle keep praying it until he says yes or no. And don't be surprised if he says keep praying. Keep praying. Stand with me. Father, there's not a one of us that doesn't need to be on our knees. Not everyone has the faith to, but for those who do, would you hear them right now? We need you, Lord God. So grateful for what you've done, for what you are doing, for what you're going to do. We ask you, we ask you right now to be present in a powerful way and to hear the prayers of those who are coming to saving faith right now, who are just going to come get on their knees and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, take over my life. Or some are going to say, Father, forgive me, I've lost the wonder, renew my heart, renew my faith. For those who come right now to ask for a miracle, God bless them, whether with a yes or a no, blessing will be to know that you hear and that you're at work. So in the quiet of this moment, just come. Before we start singing, come. If you, if you, if you have the faith to ask, come right now and pray. Pray for your miracle. Pray for your salvation. Pray for renewal.